welcome to this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. I don't like the word character or story when it comes to the Bible because it, it alludes to like it's a fable or it's not true. All of this, this guy happened. He's true. And it's not a story. It's a recount, what I'm giving today. So um, Abraham, Abraham's huge, just putting that out there. It's a very broad and, and interesting story. But I want to tell you a story just to start with today. Now, um, and the story is about my father-in-law, John Harrison, who I love dearly. Um, he's an adorable man. I want you to picture um, a young John Harrison. Now, he's a rugged country boy, okay? He, he's a rugged country man, and he was a rugged country boy, the most rugged. And um, he picture him as 18 years old. He's driving half an hour to his girlfriend's house, who is now his wife my mother-in-law, and um, he's 18, he's driving his EU Tirana, is that it? Apparently that's a big deal. Simon's like, you need to say that, that's a big deal. <laughs> and look, he's driving at night, I think they were going out to the movies, so it was quite late and it was dark. Now, I don't know if you've ever driven in the country at night, it's not like the city, there are no street lights. And so he's driving from one small town to another small town he could only see what was absolutely in front of his car. And so it's pitch black. And it was probably a moonless night, which means it, it was dark. You could only see what was in front of you. Now, he's driving along. He, Julie's expecting to meet him at a certain time and he never makes it. He gets hit by a train. My father-in-law got hit by a train and survived. Now, I heard this story. If you know any of my family, you don't fully believe everything they tell you when they first tell you. You're sort of like, oh, really? And then you go digging and find out, is that really true before I believe it? It's true. I asked the man myself. I'm like, John, did you, did you get hit by a train? Oh, yeah. Uh, were you hurt? Oh, yeah, I went to hospital. Uh... What, uh, what are the details? Do you remember? Oh, I don't know, Dal. It was quite a long time ago. That's it. That's all I got out of the man. And I'm like, oh, maybe he had like post-traumatic stress or something like that. I'm like, oh, maybe it really affected him. No, didn't. I asked Julie, his wife, my mother-in-law, about the details. And she said, oh, yeah, he went to hospital, discharged himself. All he was worried about was his car because it was a race car as well. He, he used to stock stock car racing. He used to use that as a stock car race and he had a, a race on at the weekend. That's all he was worried about. Was he in that race on the weekend? Yes, he was. So he got hit by a car. Uh, uh, sorry, his car got hit by a train, like just inches behind him. It just, it hit his car and took off the back of his car. That's, yeah, that's all, that's all of the story I've got, by the way. And, and, it just blows my mind. And then I got thinking, right? I married his eldest son. 
if he actually was a little bit slower that night, because apparently this car was so good that he could make it, which is normally a 25-minute drive from town to town, apparently he could make it in six minutes. I'm like, all right. Simon apparently, 11, 14, could make it in 14, six minutes. Anyway, I'm just guessing he's driving pretty fast. Imagine if he was driving a little bit slower, just the tiniest bit. What would the implications have been? He, like, I don't know many people. You don't know many people who have been hit by a train because they usually don't make it. So I thought about that. Imagine if... Imagine if that moment was different. Imagine if he actually didn't make it out of that train car accident. I, my husband would never be born. I would not have married him. My children would not have existed. And then I got to thinking, there's, there's lasting ramifications to small, seemingly insignificant moments in our world. And this leads me to Abraham. And see, what has always struck me about Abraham, there's such, there's such big things in his story, but something this has always struck me is that the lasting impact of one man's decisions. Abraham was one man, and we still live under the impact of his decisions to this day, spiritually and physically. And so... Genesis 12 to Genesis 25, that's the story of Abraham. I ain't going to read it all to you today. But let me tell you, I read it quite a few times. And there are... Read it. If the only thing you get out of my message today is read Abraham, do it. Because there is so much. There's like, oh, I could have talked. Oh, I could talk about that. I could. It took me ages to write this message because I'm like, oh, that's good and that's good and that's good. There's so many good things in Abraham. It's such a good story. And see, through his life, though, Abraham made a couple of really big decisions. And like I said before, the impact of these decisions are seen to this very day. And I see two types of decisions throughout Abraham's recount. And the first type of decisions were, were where God was intimately involved, where God had directed and, and Abraham decided, oh yeah, and there was this partnership of decision making. And then you saw something beautiful unfold. And then there was decisions that were made apart from God. And those decisions, they still unfolded. They weren't even disobedient decisions. They were just independent decisions. So you've got these two types of decisions, the, the God involved and the God uninvolved. And they were so interesting, the stark differences and the stark impacts. The, not, and not just, not just immediate impacts, but long-lasting impacts of those two types of decisions. They have very, very different outcomes. So the first one I want to talk about is God-involved decisions, partnering God with decision-making. And so that, that can be thought of in two ways. The first is like, oh, you have an idea. You're like, oh, that's a great idea. Um, for example, I'm a bit of a country girl. No, I am a country girl. You know, you can take the girl out of the country, but you can't take the country out of the girl. That's me. 
Every time I go and visit my family, Simon's family, I always get this, oh, wouldn't it be great? I'd love to move back to the country. My sister-in-laws do not help me let, you tell, let me tell you because they're like, oh, come back. We love you. Here, look, let's look at realestate.com. Look, there's, there's a beautiful plot of land. You could farm that. Look at that house. It's so beautiful. It's got an orchard and an olive grove. And I'm like, oh, yeah. All of our kids could play because all of our kids are playing together. And it's just beautiful. That's a great idea, isn't it? That's a nice idea. And in my heart, I get really excited. And then I could go, oh, yeah, babe, let's move back. That doesn't sound bad, does it? It's not bad. But if I made a decision based on that idea without involving God, what would that mean? What are the long-lasting ramifications of that? And I actually talk to God about this. This happens quite a lot with me, and it's happened throughout from the moment that I left right until now, it pops up every now and then. And I go, God, do I? And he goes, they're not your people. I've planted you with your people. And then I get this real sense of, I know the desires of your heart. And you're going to get what you want. So I have no doubt that around, you know, Yarramalong, Jillaby, something like that, there's a sneaky plot of land that Simon and I are going to own sooner or later and I'll get my country fix. But I could have taken my original idea of, oh, my family, I, I've got roots back there, the kids can grow up and all that sort of thing. I could have done that independently of God. I could have made that decision. God lets me make those decisions. But what are the long-lasting implications of that? You've also got, so that's involving God in your decision in an idea, then you've got God suggests something or he actually says, do this. You then have a decision to say, okay, or nah, I don't think so. That, that sounds a bit too crazy. See, Abraham, he took those decisions. God spoke to him and said, Abraham, leave. And Abraham went, okay. So let's look, Genesis 12 2 to 4 says, I will make you, this is God talking to Abraham, I will make you into a great nation. I'll bless you and make you famous. You'll be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless, bless you, curse those who treat you with contempt. All of the families on earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham departed as the Lord had instructed him and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he left Haran. He decided to listen to God. That was his decision. He decided. God said, and he went, okay, that's a decision. And let me tell you, the ramifications were it resulted in favor, prosperity. All of those things make you a great nation, bless you, make you famous. You'll be a blessing. He will bless those. He will curse those. All of that happened as a result, okay? But I want to... I want to talk about the longer lasting impact of this decision. This was the land that in the future becomes the promised land of the Israelites. So Abraham goes, yeah, okay, I'll go. Not knowing what lay before him, he was just trusting the word of God. And so when he went there, he didn't realize that further on down the future, hundreds of years later, his ancestors would occupy the very land that God gave him. The very land. 
And so that's a pretty significant flow on. Look, in Genesis 13, 14 to 17, it says, after Lot had gone, the Lord said to Abram, look as far as you can see in every direction, north, south, east, west. I am giving you all this land as far as you can see to you, your descendants. They are a permanent possession. And I will give you as many descendants that like the dust of the earth, they cannot be counted. Go and walk through the land in every direction for I'm giving it to you. And he did. He walked as far as he could. And you see, you see in the story just this, he walked, he planted, he walked, he, he owned that land. The fact that he stepped on that land meant that Joshua could step on that land hundreds of years later. Can you see, can you see that? It makes me so excited that, that one man being obedient and deciding to make these decisions with God can have such a significant impact on the descendants hundreds of years later. I think that's so, that, it blows my mind. The bigger example is when Jesus believes, trusts God for an heir, for a son. Because the story, I mean, most people know the story of Abraham in that, did I say something wrong? Ah, oh, sorry, Abraham. Abraham trusted God for a son. You guys knew what I meant. Um, Sarah was Abraham's wife. She couldn't have kids. Hundreds, they were almost 100 years old, and they, they were pretty much given up. I think Sarah had. And Abraham, he had this promise. God gives him this promise after... Abraham says to him, God, you know, you've blessed me with this. I I obeyed you. I'm so prosperous. I've got so much great stuff. I don't have an heir. All of this goodness is going to go to some random servant over the hill somewhere. I don't want that. My heart is to pass it on to a son. And God says, I'll give you a son. I will give you an heir. See, in Genesis 15, 4 to 6, it says, The Lord said to him, No, your servant will not be your heir. For you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. And then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, Look up into the sky. Count the stars if you can. If you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abram believed the Lord. He decided. Right then. It was absurd. Because after almost 100 years of not having a baby, he still decides, I will trust God at his word. And it says, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of this faith. And see, this story, and I'm doing a real quick wraparound of the story here, right? The story goes, he did believe. And you know, there, was act- there had to be an action that went with that belief. So he's like, come on, Sarah, light the candles, put something gorgeous on, babe. We're going to make a baby. And they did. Okay. So... There's lots of story in and out between that, and we'll get to that. But the fact is, Sarah and Abraham did have a baby, and it was Isaac. And Abraham made the decision to trust in God. That decision brought him an heir. Okay, and the lasting ramifications of that decision is right through the descendants from Abraham to Isaac. Follow it through, you get Jesus. Like, Abraham, his descendants are us. So the, 
We are Abraham's adopted descendants with full access to his spiritual inheritance. That's, that's the count the stars if you can, mate, because that's how many people are going to be a part of your heritage, a part of your people. We are his people as well because of that one decision. He goes, yep, I say yes. I don't think Abraham would have had any idea how big that decision really was. So long-lasting ramifications, long-lasting results of decisions that are partnered with God. I want to talk a little bit about decisions not involving God now. (laughs) See, um, interesting story. Everyone heard of Blockbuster video, Blockbuster DVD? Any, any of them around anymore? Hmm, they're gone. Um, in the early 2000s, Blockbuster had the chance to buy Netflix for the princely sum of $50 million. It sounds like a lot, and back then it really was a lot. Um, however, to put it in perspective, in 2013, I couldn't find... Uh, up-to-date ones, but 2013, Netflix's mar- market cap was around about $20 billion. <laughs> Now, I just go, oh, that's a big decision. Oh, that was a bad decision. When does the sting of regret go out of that decision? And the, the long-lasting result of that decision, we see it today. Well, we don't see it. Because Blockbuster is gone, because they didn't move. He, whoever were the board of directors or whatever, they made a very bad decision that day. And apparently they were really rude to the Netflix people. So I'm just like, well, guys, that's embarrassing. See, whether God was involved or not involved in that decision, don't know. But that's just an example of ah, oh, bad decision making and that regret that is attached to that, and the long-lasting unfolding of bad decisions. See, God-uninvolved decisions, they're not actually disobedient, but they're definitely independent. See, Abraham wasn't disobedient when he made decisions apart from God, but it was independent. And let me show you some of the decisions of the people in Abraham's world and also... um, Abraham himself. See, I've observed that throughout the Bible and life that decisions made independent of God are unpredictable in result and the knock-on effect is so significant. And we can't see it because sometimes these decisions, it actually, it fulfills a requirement immediately. And we go, ah, that worked, cool. Didn't didn't think of involving God, didn't need to involve God, it all works out fine. What about next year? What about in 20 years? What about 50 years? What about my grandchildren? Does that decision where I didn't involve God, does that impact them? Because I know for myself, I don't actually think of that sort of stuff. But I can see it throughout the Bible. I can see it throughout Abraham's life. Because look at this. You heard of Terah? Probs not. Just before... Right on the edge of Abraham's story is Terah. Terah is 
Abraham's father. And in Genesis 11:31, it says, One day, Terah took his son Abram, his daughter-in-law Sarai, his grandson Lot, and moved away. He was headed for the land of Canaan. But they stopped. Now, that's all I hear from him. Okay, and then he's in a lot of long, long lists of what this begot this and this begot that. I wonder, and I have this sneaking suspicion, and it, let me tell you, it's just a sneaking suspicion, so let's not write books about it. What if God had told Terah, take your family, go to Canaan? Why the heck else would this guy just uproot his entire family and go to Canaan? But he stops. Would we be reading a different story if he hadn't stopped? Just a suspicion I found pretty interesting. Next one is not a suspicion. <laughs> it's pretty specific. Lot, he was um, Abraham's nephew. And uh, he lived, he didn't position himself in the most excellent of ways. And he lived a little bit too close to Sodom and Gomorrah, which were pretty evil cities. Lot and his two daughters were the only people to make it out unscathed. Okay, wife nearly didn't. So then you've got Lot and his daughters, okay? They make it out. In Genesis 19, 36, 38, it says, As a result, both of Lot's daughters became pregnant by their father. What? So God saves them, okay, out of nastiness and wrath because God smited those two cities that were pretty bad. Those three individuals were saved. And so Lot's daughters were like, no, oh, there's no men around. How am I going to have babies? I'm so sad. I know, I've got a great idea. As a result, both of Lot's daughters became pregnant by their father. Blah. When the older daughter gave birth to a son, she named him Moab. He became the ancestor of the nation known as the Moabites. When the younger daughter gave birth to a son, she named him Benami. He became the ancestor of the nation known as the Ammonites. Now, I thought for a second on these two particular situations or nations, and I just really felt, imagine if they had involved God in that decision-making. Imagine if they had actually cried out and said, God, we're so lonely. We have no men. We have no husbands. There is no one around Please save us. Nope. They had their idea. They went through with their idea. And you know what? It fulfilled their need. But if you ever heard of the Moabites and the Ammonites in the rest of the Bible, they were absolute plagues to the Israelites. Fighting and, and smiting and just this. It wasn't peaceful. So the knock-on effect of that decision made independent of God was so significant it was so bad. Imagine if they had partnered with God and said, God, help us. But there would be, there would just, I just feel like it would be beautiful. But decisions made apart from God unfold in a sporadic and sometimes very unbeautiful way. The big one. All right. <clears throat> the big one that blows my mind is Hagar and, and Ishmael. Okay, so Sarah wasn't actually mentioned in Abraham's promise of having an heir 
I don't, it doesn't even say whether Abraham even told Sarah about the promise. We, it's not sure. I don't know. But Sarah, it seems like it all given up on having a son. And so she's like, I know. I'll give Abraham my handmaiden. And, you know, she's young and gorgeous and she'll be able to bear a son for Abraham. I'll be able to help raise him. She had this beautiful, very naive idea. Don't know what Abraham's... No, I pretty much do know what Abraham was thinking. But it, it, it all unfolds. Abraham's like, yeah, okay, babe, this is fine. Because it, I would not be okay with this. Just saying. <laughs> it's just a little bit bizarre. And you know what? A lot of people think that Abraham was unfaithful in this moment. But he wasn't. He wasn't unfaithful and he wasn't actually being disobedient to God. He was just being independent. Okay? So him, he, Abraham at that moment didn't say, babe, just give me a moment. I need to go seek God about this. I don't actually know if people at this time knew how to interact with God properly either. They're a very young human race. Like, they were very young, and I, I don't know if he knew to inquire. We do know to inquire of God. So I just wonder, if Abraham at that moment had said, you know what, just give me a moment, God, is this a good idea? Pretty sure God would have said, mate, no, this, this is not good. This is not my plan. It's very sweet of your, of your wife to be thinking this way, but no. You're going to have a baby with Sarah, which later on he does actually say. But imagine if Abraham had asked, because this is what happens, okay? Um, whoop. In Genesis 16, 11 and 12, it says, And the angel also said, You, and this is to Hagar, the handservant, says, You are now pregnant and will give birth to a son. You will name him Ishmael. For the Lord has heard your cry of distress. The sons of yours, this son of yours will be a wild man, as untamed as a wild donkey. He will raise his fist against everyone and everyone will be against him. Yes, he will live in open hostility against all of his relatives. See, the immediate knock-on effect of that was yes. Abraham got an heir. It wasn't the heir that God intended. It also created huge amount of tension, okay? There was like, oh, I've got a baby and you don't have a baby and you're like the head, head wife or whatever, but really I'm the most important because I'm the one that bore him an heir. Sarah's like, well, I'm the most important one and you go away. And so Abraham's just deal with all of this because I don't want to deal with that. You started it, deal with it. And then Hagar, who kind of got the raw end of the stick, off she goes into the desert. God's so beautiful and merciful. He goes after her and says, Hagar, you've got this beautiful baby boy. This is what's going to happen. I'm going to look after you. And he does. He looks after both of them. Okay? But the longer lasting effect is this. You follow um, the line of Ishmael and the man Mohammed who wrote the Quran, actually comes from his direct line. Now, yes, to this day, Ishmael's descendants 
can be seen to raise their fist against the world. And it's, I just go, oh my goodness, what a significant, what a significant unfolding of life from a, from a decision that is independent of God. What would have happened? I just go, what would have happened? Who knows? But I just think God's plan, our plan, it's starkly different. So what? You know, like I see these. These are the things that I see in Abraham's world in this story. And I go, so what? Our own decisions can have these long-lasting results. See, I think in contemporary Christianity, we walk this line of Jesus is coming this afternoon, maybe, so be ready. Or he might come in 100 years, so be careful. And so I think the contemporary Christian world, we don't give this weight to our decision-making. Like where we go to work, who we're going to marry, should I change churches? Where should I go to church? Who are my people? Should I move to the country? There's this huge long list of things, huge long list of things. Are we making independent decisions or are we wrapping our decisions around God? Because the moment that we seek an independent decision, we don't even think about what's going to unfold in 50 years' time. I didn't. I, I just, I feel foolish almost at the decisions that I've made without God's input. And I think, oh. And I talk to God about it and he's a God that is a redeemer of all situations for those who repent and are humble towards him. But let me tell you, start considering what these decisions are in your world and do not be independent when you make them, inquire of him. Just ask him. Every time I ask God, should I do this? What do you think of that? He answers me. And if he doesn't answer me just myself, I go and ask some of my godly people. I get an answer. I absolutely, every time I've had an answer. And then I'm obedient because I want to make sure, I want to make sure that I'm following God. Because making a decision independent from God is like shooting an arrow into a room of people with my eyes closed. It is really, isn't it? I don't know who it's going to hit. I don't know who it's going to hurt. Might hit nobody. Might hit somebody very dear to me. I don't know. I don't know. God does know. That's the thing. Do I make a decision just by myself on a whim, not knowing exactly how it's going to unfold? Or do I involve the person, the God, who actually does know how it's going to unfold? Hmm. Decisions where we involve God, though, are always good. They're always good. And see, a decision made with God's direction, it unfolds with continuing goodness. Like it, it's almost like it increases in its goodness. You look at Abraham got an heir. That was good, right? You follow that along and that heir has Jesus in that, in that line. And Jesus, now we have us. It's like it unfolds into this 
even more powerful, even more beautiful goodness the moment that we involve God into our decisions. So I guess I just want to challenge you guys. This is what hit me about this whole thing was be aware. Be aware of the ramifications of our own decision-making. We are eternal beings. We are beings that last for eternity and our decisions impact eternity. So consider that. Consider that. Consider if I just decide to uproot myself, my family and go to the country, what would that do to my children? What are the long-term ramifications of that? Because that might have an eternal effect. You know what I mean? So let's make God-involved decisions and involve him in every aspect of our lives because you know what Abraham also was called, and I love this, he was called a friend of God. Why was he called a friend of God? Because he did involve God in his world. He was a friend of God because God shared things with him and he listened and obeyed. You want to be a friend of God, you involve God in your world. It's as easy as that. Talk to him. Share your heart with him. Inquire of him. You, you got a close friend? What do you do? You talk to each other. You share. You, you ask them things. You listen to them. That is what it is to be a friend of God. Involve him in your world. And really take, take stock of the decision-making in your world. Make sure it aligns and involves God's input. And look, if there's been decisions that you've made that you're like, oh, that was a rough one. I can see the unfolding of that immediately. And it's not so good. God can redeem that. And so as I close today, I just want to impress that onto you. Make good decisions. Involve God. And if you have big decisions that you are, you're mulling over right now, Pray about it today. Let us pray with you. If there's decisions that you're like, that was a disaster because I didn't involve God, come and we will pray with you. Let God get involved now. It's never too late to get him involved in a decision. So let me pray. We hope you've enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net.